Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is the future of cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in the automotive industry and its supporting ecosystem and help them move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to help make the world a better place and run better and drive better, you're in the right place because this is where the best run and the best drive. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have a quote from the president of GM. Uh, He actually became the CEO of GM Cruise Holdings in January 2019, but at the time of this quote, he was the president, Dan Ammon, A-M-M-A-N-N. And here's the quote, we see more change in the next five years than there's been in the last 50. And this is a quote from a marketwatch.com article on YGM President says, you won't be driving its cars. And this article dates back to 2016. So what in the world is going on? Well, the automotive industry is facing changes. We're going to say they're unprecedented. Never, ever before has there been so much, shall we say, dynamic chaos and disruption. What's going on? You've heard a lot about it in the news. We have ride sharing and we have car sharing. Then there's electrification and charging stations. Okay, then we have autonomous cars. That's right, self-driving in test mode and maybe coming to a highway, byway, or a garage near you. Then we have climate change regulations. Everybody's talking about that. And we have new ownership and distribution models. All I can say is, oh my. Each one of these challenges the automotive industry's ability to be nimble and quickly reinvent itself. But the industry really is not known for this. The automotive industry does not pivot very, very quickly quickly. takes time. So it's all about keeping customers, making them loyal. What if they're not driving your cars anymore? What are they going to be driving? You're still in the business. So what will it take to turn, listen up, this is very clever, to turn customers into fanatics, okay, products into obsessions, employees into ambassadors, and brands into religions. Aha. Welcome, 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 Future of Cars with Game Changers. I am indeed Bonnie D. Graham. I have a great panel for you today, but let me tell you, we're going to do this a little bit differently than we usually do. We're going to call this show subheaded, Ripped from the Headlines. We're going to be talking about changing ownership models, the role of Silicon Valley in automotive. We talked about that on a recent episode, and new players in the automotive industry. So now let me tell you who my three very special guests are, and then we'll get started. In a moment you'll be meeting first-time panelists, all three of them, David Mingle, he told me I can call him Dave, Vice President of Global Automotive Industries for Qualtrics. We'll find out what he does there. Joining him is his colleague, Jordan Katz, Global Head of Employee Experience Transition Programs, also at Qualtrics. And rounding out the panel is one of my colleagues at SAP, Monkambu Raju, and he said he likes me so well I can call him Raju. He's a Director of Solution Management in the Automotive Industry Business Unit at SAP. AP welcome panelists. Let's start off with Dave Mingle. Dave has sent us a beautiful quote from Maya Angelou, born Marguerite Annie Johnson, 1928 to 2014, American poet, singer, memoirist, civil rights activist, published, published seven autobiographies. The first one made her famous, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. She's won awards, more than 50 awards. And in 1993, she recited her poem on the pulse of mourning at the first inauguration of U.S. President Bill Clinton, making her the first poet to make an inaugural recitation since Robert Frost at JFK's inauguration in 1961. Here's the quote. 
I've learned that people will forget what you said. People forget everything. I'm going to paraphrase, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Dave Mingle, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Well, thank you, Bonnie. I'm glad to be here. Thank you very much. I love the quote. We've heard it many times before. I compressed it a little bit, and I think it's all about what we say, eh, but how you made them feel. So, Dave, I want you to relate this quote to what we're talking about with the changes in the automotive industry. What do you have to say? Well, what Maya said is true in life um, as it is in, in business. People tend to hang around and trust the people that know them the best, that make them feel good about themselves, and in turn, they are willing to invest that same empathy back uh, to them. And that's also the case with, with brands that you're a loyalty, or mm-hmm. as an employee where you commit, continue to commit your, your time and talents. It's about empathy, uh, Bonnie. It's about being with folks that you care about and they care about you and being willing to invest your time and money in those experiences going forward. So my mission at Qualtrics is to help companies uh, build uh, cultures of empathy to be able to create great experiences for their customers and to retain the best and bright talent for the future. Thank you very much, and we're going to be talking to you a little bit more up close and personal in a few minutes when we go around the table. David, I, I'm, I'm interested, I'm intrigued with the idea of empathy, human contact, the connection, the loyalty you mentioned. It seems that with the automotive industry moving in so many different directions, and people, a lot of people, probably in the millennial age range, and I will ask all of you if you plan to be still having the keys to your own car in the next 10 years. We'll do that at the end of the show in the predictions round. But um, with people's deciding, yeah, I don't really need it because I'm only using it 5% of the time I own the darn thing. Um, empathy is, it just sounds like it's going to take a lot of effort in automotive to make people feel a way that they won't forget your brand if they're no longer buying your car. Can you just help me out with this a little bit? How, how what, What's the solution to that? Well, sure. What you're starting to see, and this is, think of a future of autonomous or the ride-sharing, car-sharing models where you may not be actually the owner of mm-hmm. the vehicle that is transporting you. It's going to be, the experience has become much, much less about the product itself and more and more about the experiences that product enables. People want today to be able to continue their lives when they're in a, uh, a vehicle and going somewhere, just like they do when they're in their, uh, their home or in their office. It's connect- connecting that digital life, if you will, and being able to take that with you into your mobility experiences. So you're seeing every one of the automakers invest in connectivity and being able to push more and more content into the vehicle and extracting more and more content from that vehicle so they can create more highly personalized experiences over time to -hmm. keep you engaged and for them to know more about you and to more personalize the type of services they're going to provide you in the future. 
Thank you. Very eloquent. I appreciate that. Nice to meet you, Dave, and thank you for joining us today. We'll be talking to you again in a few minutes. Let me move slightly around the table to your colleague, Jordan Katz. Jordan has sent us a quote from somebody I've never heard of before. I was very appreciative of that. The gentleman we're going to be quoting in a moment is Jacques Plant, P-L-A-N-T-E, full name, Joseph Jacques Omer Plant, 1929 to 1986. He was a Canadian professional ice hockey goaltender considered to be one of the most important innovators in hockey. Very interesting. Played for the Montreal Canadiens from 1953 to 63. His nickname was Jake the Snake. I don't know if you knew that, Jordan. He was considered one of the 100 greatest NHL players in history, and he was one of the first goaltenders to skate behind the neck to stop the puck, and he wore a goaltender mask. He helped actually to design the mask. Very, very interesting. So here is the quote Jordan has selected from Monsieur Jacques Plant. How would you like a job where every time you make a mistake, a big red light goes on and 18,000 people boo? Jordan Katz, I love the quote. I have to put that up somewhere on a wall. How are you, Jordan? I'm doing great, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Oh, we're delighted. Talk to me. Where did you find this quote? Uh, is, is Jacques Plant somebody you're aware of from your love of sports, or how did you find the quote? I'm, I'm very intrigued. Well, I've been playing hockey since about when I was four, actually. Funny personal story about me. My mom always dreamed about having a son that was like Brian Boitano. So she said, if you want to play hockey, George, you have to learn how to figure skate first. And so I got out on the ice, and I... I guess I immediately was like a super graceful figure skater. The coach came off after two or three lessons and he said, okay, you know, he's looking great. Like, what's next? Do you want to do more lessons? I go, mom, you said that once I learn, I can play hockey. So <laughs> her disappointment from then on, I was, I guess, a very graceful but also very good hockey player. And so I've been around hockey my entire life. And to be honest, sometimes it feels it when you're in a service position or uh, we've probably all been waiters and waitresses before and certainly in the automotive industry right now, that you're bombarded with feedback, right? And that mm-hmm. companies and certainly in the automotive industry are sort of at that first step of customer feedback and how it transitions to employees to take the right action. But we haven't gotten to the, beyond the uh, gathering of data to the overall experience management and strategy element of the game, which is to say, sometimes if you're, for example, a service manager, all you hear is the negative feedback. You're bombarded mm-hmm. with 18,000 fans booing every time you make the littlest mistake because customers are super sensitive to that. And that can be very difficult. That can have a very uh, heavy impact on your employees. And I'm here today to talk mostly about the employee element of uh, of the automotive industry and, and the workplace strategy. And so um, I want to help our listeners and and the people that I work with understand how to manage that experience, how to execute on the data that's provided by customers, but also how to load balance the experience that your employees have so that they can bring those experiences, the excellent experiences to your customers on a day in and day out basis and not be, you know, smothered by the 18,000 boos and the red light, which, uh, which is a real risk right now. 
Thank you. And thank you for mentioning that last point. It is a real risk. And we just talked with Dave about the idea of empathy and loyalty and people remembering brands, being obsessed with your brand, even if they don't physically own that car. Very interesting. Thank you, Jordan, and welcome. Mm-hmm. And thank you for the personal thank story you. about hockey and being graceful <laughs> on the ice. That was something I was never quite <laughs> able to do when I was ice skating I, at the I'm age so of 10. I'm glad that thousands of listeners will now know all about my figure skating experience. They, they certainly will. There are many, many thousands <laughs> around the world. Jordan Katz is now famous <laughs> with his wonderful smile and his ice skates. There we go. You said it. Hey, we just be just among the four of us. And uh, let, let me spare Jordan any more red lights, and we're all cheering. There are no boos coming from the stands. And let's go to Monkambu Raju. And as I said in the opening, he said I can call him Raju. R A J U. And he's with the he's a Solution Management Automotive Industry Business Unit at SAP. And Raju has sent us a wonderful quote from Malcolm Gladwell. This is a good one, Malcolm. Welcome, Timothy Gladwell, CM, born 1963, young man by my standards, still with us very much, Canadian journalist, author, and public speaker. He's been a staff writer for the New Yorker magazine since 1996, and his five books all made the New York Times bestseller list. A couple of famous ones, The Tipping Point, How Little Things Can Make a Big Difference, 2000, Blink, The Power of Thinking Without Thinking, 2005, and the third one I'll read is Outliers, The Story of Success, Gladwell's books deal often with the unexpected implication of research in the social sciences. He was appointed to the Order of Canada in June of 2011. Here is the quote, the key to good decision making is not knowledge, it is understanding. We're swimming in the former we're desperately lacking in the latter. Raju, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? I'm doing good, uh, Bonnie, and thank you uh, for a, thank you for being on the show. Uh, really glad to be here. I'm glad you're and, here. Uh, now, talk to me about this quote. How did you pick a wonderful quote from Gladwell for our show about automotive and becoming customer obsessed in the future of automotive? Talk to me. Sure. So, uh, I mean, what I felt was that when I was searching uh, for a nice quote, you know, when I came up uh, with this uh, uh, quote from Malcolm Gladwell, and what it uh, represents to me is, you know, kind of some of what we all uh, strive to do, you know, in business, which is, you know, to make uh, good and timely decisions. And, uh, and the question uh, which comes to me always is, you know, we always have, you know, lots and lots of data and when we talk about automotive with all the connected autonomous uh, electrification and shared uh, era which 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 we are transitioning into we have all this data floating around us and the question always is do we take enough effort to understand this data and that's where i feel that uh, we are at this uh, stage uh, with the technology what is available today that this is one of the essential pieces when we you know talk about companies becoming you know customer obsessed you know how do we, how do they take advantage of that so when i when i read this quote i was trying to imagine okay you know how does an airbnb or uber or an amazon you know how do they reach out to their customers and and as you can imagine you know today's expectation of customers or the consumers you know is that they need to be heard in the moment yeah and the companies need to hear that and to be able to serve that need so uh just a interesting uh, news which i saw on twitter a couple of days ago where a celebrity 
was driving a car and uh, she parked the car and when she was ready to head back her screen or the infotainment was blank and she did mm. not know what to do and what does she do she does a tweet uh the tweet is picked by the ceo of the of this ev company mm-hmm. and uh, he's able to quickly uh answer back with a resolution and uh, I, i think you can guess who this ev maker is but uh, the idea being uh, to with all the data around you know you could always say well that is a you know you need to go fix this or that but actually he took that uh, feedback and basically created a, a update or the version a next version update on that particular uh, feature where it allows that this problem does not occur in sunny california for example <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or for that matter anywhere in sunny sunny places so to me it basically comes down to you know we as decision makers you know we always and you know looking at the data for a long time the question is is the time uh, really needed to filter out all that data to understand that data or you need to understand what are the most important factors or most important variables you know which make uh, that data meaningful or understandable so that we can take the right decision so i'm looking in the automotive industry and i think we are in that stage where this is becoming one of the critical uh, uh, topics uh, when it comes to the changes uh, or the disruption happening in our industry Thank you, Raju. Very interesting. The word understanding is obviously the key to this statement by Malcolm Gladwell. And uh, I'm, I'm going to hark back to the word empathy. I think Dave mentioned empathy. Uh, we were talking about Maya Angelou's quote, people will never forget how you made them feel. And I think there's a good link there. And, and the title of this episode, if you're just tuning in, this is The Future of Cars with Game Changers presented by SAP. But we're talking about automotive industry disruption. So much is happening. You might think it's chaotic. The industry certainly does. Can it pivot? Can it change? Is it nimble enough to go with the flow? It's starting to, but one of the keys we're talking about today is to be customer obsessed, and that needs the uh, not just knowledge. We're talking about data, but it needs understanding. It also needs empathy. I think that quote you shared with us, Raju, ties it up very nicely, so thank you for selecting that. And now it's time to get a little bit up close and personal with our panelists. So, Dave Mingle, I'm coming back around the table to you, sir, and I'm going to ask you three questions. Number one, where in the world are you calling? calling from today a lake a country a hemisphere a continent will be fine number 2 what's your favorite beverage that powers you that drives your engine and makes you happy to go to work every day and do what you do and number 3 tell us just a little bit about what you do a little more about what you do at Qualtrics go ahead dave yeah uh, thank you bonnie um so i'm calling from uh the uh motor city uh capital uh right here on southern uh southeastern michigan in the detroit mm-hmm. uh, area uh where it is actually sunny out today so we're very hopeful that spring is Yay. on its way um what gets me going every morning is a good cup of coffee and about a half an hour in my hot tub uh, it's a great time to to stretch and and to, to really you know think about what's uh what's important uh for the day um My role at 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 uh Qualtrics, I am the Vice President of Global Automotive Industries. It's a relatively new role. Mm-hmm. Uh just created last year, which is when I joined uh the company. Before that, I spent over 30 years working in the automotive industry. I started with Ford Motor Company in various finance and marketing roles, 
worked for Nissan. Uh, I was the senior director for customer loyalty and their first uh, chief customer manager as they started creating a CX discipline uh, within the company uh, in the uh, 2010 or so uh, time frame. And then I was hired by General Motors to be the global director for customer experience strategy. And I did that for uh, nearly five years, uh, transitioned into uh, my own consulting company, picked up Qualtrics as a client, fell in love with uh, the entire value proposition, and uh, just couldn't wait to join. So that's what I did uh, late last year. Very exciting. Well, congratulations, and we're very happy to have you here on the panel. And now let's move around to your colleague, Jordan Cass. Jordan, you're up next. Same three questions. Where in the world are you today? What's your favorite beverage? We've never had anybody say uh, we're talking about a beverage outside the body, which would be a hot tub <laughs> in water. So that was an interesting one, Dave. You, you don't have to compete. in a hot tub. <laughs> Thank you. I knew you'd have a comeback. You don't have to compete with him, Jordan. Just what do you love to drink? Be specific. And the third question is, what do you do? Jordan Katz, you're up next. Thanks, Bonnie. So uh, I'm calling from right outside Chicago. Uh, Dave, I have bad news. I think I heard there's a bomb cyclone headed for, uh, for us in the general Midwest. So get your hot tub time in now. Um, I love, I love, I guess I like iced tea. I'm trying to drink healthier drinks right now. So iced tea, milk, and water are my jam. And uh, what do I get paid to do? My job is to be an employee experience and people analytics subject matter expert here at uh, Qualtrics, specifically helping companies transition from legacy types of employee listening programs, which would involve maybe doing an employee survey once a year or once every two years, uh, transition from that to a more sophisticated employee listening approach that gives managers a roadmap to managing to excellence and leaders and executives the data, analytics, and connectivity between operational and experiential data uh, that helps them make great decisions and drive their companies to great performance and give um, phenomenal experiences to all of their customers and employees. So that's my job, and, uh, and I'm really glad to, to do that for Qualtrics and to be on this radio show. Thank you very much, and I, I have to tell you, I've never heard of a bomb cyclone, and you'll get to know me because I Google everything I hear that intrigues mm-hmm. me. Tweaks, and it says, after th- only three weeks after a quote-unquote bomb cyclone, one of the most intense storms on record, pummeled the plains in Midwest. Another bomb cyclone of similar strength has been forecast. This spring storm seems poised to dump even heavier snow, could be followed by another round of significant river flooding, and it's bracing for the Midwest of the U.S., and this was posted on on CBS News 13 hours ago. So, gee, thanks for the great, great news, John. <laughs> really good. appreciate that one. Glad I'm not out there. But, okay, everybody brace. You heard you know, it's going to be have the future of cars with weather forecast. That's going to be the new now. I have to tell Miranda LeBate we're putting a weather forecast. Thank you, Jordan. I'm teasing, but I'm very appreciative. I love to learn. And, Raju, where in the world are you today? What do you love to drink that makes you smile and feel good about life? And what is your role at? SAP. So thank you, Bonnie. Yes, so I am also in southeast Michigan, uh, just north uh, west of Detroit, uh, in sunny, uh, sunny day today here in uh, in Michigan. And I didn't expect the bomb cyclone, so that is a, going to be a surprise for me. I need you to know now. <laughs> And so what gets me started is a good cup of tea, uh, the typical Indian tea, which is, uh, you know, milk, uh, 
hot tea with a little bit of sugar and then to sustain myself i rely on a bunch of coffee so <laughs> to get my day going mm-hmm. and so i uh, uh work uh, with uh, the industry business unit automotive and here at sap uh being long time with sap i had many roles uh, in the past and so what my focus area for the last uh, a few years has been on the customer centricity and uh, what i'm more uh, passionate about is working once a vehicle is built so all the processes along the value chain uh, in the ecosystem of automotive um whether it's working with the oems uh, the dealer groups uh, the national sales companies or the distribution companies and more and more as we go into this program you know uh, all the other players who are in this ecosystem who are you know getting on to this uh, uh space and uh, starting this year i will be working with our close friends at coltrix to create a vision uh, for xm for automotive so that's where i am right now Thank you very much. Thank you to all three of you. Just a little background on me. I left New York after 32 years and moved to Durham, North Carolina about a year and a half ago. I'm now looking out over my garden in front of my home office window here, and we're due for another day of rain. It was very, very vicious last night. Couldn't even see out the window, but it's a little calmer now. As far as the the weather goes, I think we're tipping up into the low 70s almost every day this week, but that doesn't mean we won't wake up to 32-degree weather any day now. It just is a 40 degree temperature range here most days it's very hard to follow but the plants are coming back the garden is rejuvenating the azaleas are already in bloom forsythia are out the cherry blossoms are already out and it's time for me to go buy some seasonal flowers for the front yard uh this is for dave jordan and raju i'm not allowed to have caffeinated beverages on radio show days and i think you figured out why so i have another show an hour after this one is over it's a double header for sap game changers radio all i'm going to say is I'm happy to have the three of you on the panel with me, and we're talking about, well, let's just say four topics ripped from the headlines today, changing ownership models in automotive, the role of Silicon Valley, what's happening with Silicon in Detroit and all the other car capitals of the world, new players and talent for a future in automotive. Shout out, a big shout out and appreciation to Miranda LeBate at SAP for putting together this wonderful panel and picking these ripped from the headlines topics, and a shout out also to Judy Cubis at SAP for sponsoring this series. So we're going to take a quick break, 90 seconds. You can count them along with us. Not enough time to do too much, but I know you don't want to miss the savvy words of wisdom from my three special panelists. We have Dave Mingle at Qualtrics, Jordan Katz at Qualtrics, and Raju Monkambu Raju to be formal at SAP. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill by now. We'll be right back. Aaron out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. SAP is excited to be a co-innovator with the automotive industry as we help automotive and related companies digitally transform their entire industry and disrupt their existing business models. The Future of Cars with Game Changers brings you insights from the people in the driver's seat who are making this happen. We'll delve into industry challenges and solutions that support ecosystem industries, all to help you succeed in transforming your business and business networks for success in the new digital networked age. 
Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top technology and business strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how the automotive industry is shaping the future of change for all of us. You're listening to The Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to The Future of Cars with Game Changers. Here we go. Welcome back. Future of Cars with Game Changers talking about the key to automotive industry disruption. Yes, we know it's disrupted. What's going to happen? Become customer obsessed. That's a message to those in the industry, and it's a very broad industry. It has certainly changed over the years. may not be nimble and agile, but it is changing, and that's where the disruption comes from. My three special panelists today are Dave Mingle at Qualtrics, Jordan Katz at Qualtrics, and Moncombu Raju. We're calling him Raju. He's my new best friend at SAP. We're going to start with Rip from the Headline, I'm just going to read a little bit from the first topic, and then we're going to go around the table, starting with Dave, then Jordan, and then Raju, and see what they have to say. So let's talk about the changing ownership models. I'll read one sentence here. Uber is expected to raise $10 billion with a B dollars later this year in one of the largest U.S. IPOs, initial public offerings in history, valuing the ride-hailing giant somewhere between $76 and $120 billion. Dave Mingle. What's your thought on this? Um, amazing story. Um, both of these companies, Uber and Lyft, have never made a dime. In fact, in uh, Lyft's case, they reported just before their IPO a little over $2 billion worth of revenue and $900 million worth of losses. Yet, if you combine the market cap of Lyft and the projected market cap of Uber, it will be on par, if not exceed, that of General Motors and Ford, who make combined 15-plus million cars a year and have made tens of billions of dollars of profit over the last uh, several years, as the, as the market has, has done quite, quite well. So it's amazing that the market has that much optimism about what is a relatively unproven uh, business model for both Lyft and Uber. But there is a big uh, uh, value proposition that uh, Lyft and Uber have have introduced. And that's one of convenience Mm -hmm. and one of taking advantage of a huge inefficiency in the marketplace. And that inefficiency is, and uh, Bonnie, I think you mentioned it uh, before, that 95% of the time cars are idle. Mm -hmm. Yes. Only 5% actually doing the delivering the, the, the service that, um, that was originally intended when you bought that car. So they figured out if they could take advantage of just a small amount of that capacity and deliver an exceptional experience, that people would um, be very receptive to it, and they have been. They deliver millions of car rides every day. In fact, I have just a, a little bit of a story. At General yeah, Motors, uh, my office was downtown Detroit, I had several employees who were eligible for discounted company vehicles, uh, very attractive discounts, who, who elected not to own a vehicle because it was easier for them to take public transportation or to just hail 
uh, an Uber or a Lyft to get back and forth to the airport or out of town if they needed to. Pretty amazing for someone like me who at 16 already had my car uh, waiting in the, in, the, uh, in the driveway for me that I had bought mm-hmm. because I couldn't wait to drive. Now we have a whole uh, generation of people that are thinking that they may never drive or they have certainly much uh, less use to drive uh, than, than um, uh, because of uh, the services like Uber and Lyft. Interesting. And as I said earlier, Dave, thank you. I'm going to ask the three of you at the very end of the show in our crystal ball predictions round if you can predict whether you three personally will still have keys to your own vehicle in your pocket or on your dresser in the year 2025. We'll do a little personal prediction there. Very interesting. I just want to make a quick comment on Uber, but I'll save it. Actually, I'll save it until after we hear from the other two. Jordan Katz, thoughts about this Uber IPO and or the ride-hailing industry around the world, this changing ownership model. What's your observation? Well, the thing that's interesting to me through the lens of the employee experience is how Uber and Lyft have been able to manage the customer experience through a totally unconnected third party that has little to no human-to-human connection with their people, or their brand, or their product, essentially, when you think of who is touching their customers, Uber, or what is touching their customers, Uber has an app that sits on your phone, that's Mm -hmm. not a human, and then a driver, right? And the driver connects to Uber also through an app on their phone, and only talks to an Uber representative when problems occur. And so the ability to have a standardized experience for customers uh, across this vast amount of totally random and somewhat, frankly, untrained compared to a corporate job uh, contractors is a massive accomplishment. And it speak, to me, it speaks volumes as to why the valuations have gone so high, And although according to the, the stock price today, maybe valuations went a little too high, because if you can have such a highly scaled business with such a light... Uh, um, I, I almost, I want to say, the only word I can think of is lift um, mm-hmm. <laughs> around how you uh, act and interact with your employees, then you potentially have solved the puzzle. Now, there's one big next step to that puzzle, which is how do you get your costs and your expenses under control uh, lift? We have to figure out, as an outsider, it's hard to understand exactly what they're spending their money on when they have no, almost no employees and they, uh, you know, they don't really have any of their own um, capital equipment and whatnot, but it's a lesson to us all in terms of um, that we can that we can apply within our own companies, uh, which is setting a system that creates accountability on both the customer and the employee side for how you act, react, embody the brand, treat each other, and take care of the product or service that you deliver. Um, it may be through the rating scale. It might be through the training of the drivers. But whatever it's whatever has happened, Uber and Lyft have solved it. Now, if they can just get their costs under control, they'll be in great shape. There you go. Raju, yeah, let's get... I would just add, yep, and go ahead. making it super easy for yes. your customers, in this case, their drivers, mm-hmm. to be able to take advantage of the service. A driver gets to come mm-hmm. and go with Uber and Lyft on the schedule that they choose to drive. Mm-hmm. Yes, customers your- only have to exactly. go to the app, and with a couple clicks of the uh, or you know, taps of, the, of a finger, 
a car shows up, they just hop out of the car at the end and decide to pay when it's most convenient for them to pay. The whole yep. experience is so seamless for the driver and the customer. That, I think, is the mm-hmm. game changer. Bring your car to so work. Let's see what Raju... Is. I want to get Raju in here. Raju, it's your turn. What do you think? Yes. So let, let me take a, a kind of a different perspective on this one. Yes. I, mean, uh, I think Uber and Lyft, I think, have revolutionized, I think, the, the whole uh, the transportation, uh, uh, you know, how we think about transportation. To your point, uh, Dave, you know, uh, you know I think uh, the value of getting your own car at 16, I think, probably must have been... Uh, uh, like a freedom, <laughs> um, like anything, yeah. So now, if now we uh, the traditional OEMs are kind of still uh, playing catch up here, and they are still in the zone of experimenting. And so, I mean, I talk when I talk about all these uh, different big large OEMs, they're still in that space where they're trying to figure out what kind of model ownership model makes sense. Uh, you know, they have they're trying out. A uh, few of them have succeeded. Uh, uh, somewhat, uh, so they have, uh, you know, created some momentum in that. Uh, specifically, the subscription model, uh, where you can, you know, uh, pay a monthly fee and have access to a premium uh, segment of vehicles, you know, and have swap, have swap capabilities between, you know, on a weekend I need a, a bigger SUV versus a smaller SUV. So what I see is. Uh, you know, there are these experiments are still going on on different levels. But uh, coming back to what uh, uh, what Dave and uh, John mentioned, uh, I think uh, Jordan mentioned. Sorry, uh, you know, they are still not able to justify or make sure that what is the money they are spending on. You know, are they really profitable here? And that's mm-hmm. where I feel like they need a system. Which or a platform which allows them to kind of look through all these different uh, aspects of the business and to, to make sure whether this business is viable or not. But I think ultimately, uh, with both these companies, you know, Lyft, uh, I think the market cap is around 24 billion uh, as of yesterday. Um, you know, they're all offering that experience, and, and I think that is going to be the key uh, uh, to the future of uh, mobility, uh, I would say that, you know, any any company, you know, uh, I don't want to just uh, take the OEMs as such, but any company. So that's where I see even uh, uh, some of our suppliers who are jumping into this, uh, 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 in this ecosystem as well to take advantage of this opportunity where they feel that they can also provide a similar set of services. And, uh, and more and more I see uh, partnerships coming along here and I think that's what is going to define uh, how the uh, this new ownership models, you know, how they will succeed or how they will uh, survive uh, going into the future. So that's my take on it, Bonnie. Thank you, Raj. You appreciate that. I just want to do a sidebar here, and then I want to move on quickly to our second topic in the headlines, the role of Silicon Valley and what's happening with Silicon Valley and, and automotive, the automotive as we know it. Uh, sidebar is that all of the dis- this disruption with ride-hailing services, and the three of you have spoken about the fact that the, the person who is the driver gets to bring their car to work, but the customer interacts with an app, which is something that's automated. So we have a little less human touch there, but... But look at what this has done to displace the human part of ride-hailing, which is the taxicab industry. 
and I'm very well acquainted with what's happening. I have some dear friends in New York who came to this country and invested in taxi medallions, and I don't have to tell the three of you what has happened to the plummeting value and and uh, family legacies and, and fortunes have just been dashed. So we'll just leave that one alone, but sometimes one industry's ability to pivot and come up with a new idea is hurtful to another industry. That's all I'm going to say. No bleeding hearts here, I promise. Let's move on. Uh, let's go to Jordan first on the next topic, the role of Silicon Valley. Let me read a little snippet here. While Apple's car efforts were originally expected to include Apple manufacturing its own vehicle, it reportedly later changed course to just focused on developing autonomous vehicle software. However... The rumors today suggest Apple is working on its own electric van. So we've got a lot of mix in there. But let's talk about automotive in terms of manufacturing versus Silicon Valley, which is uh, iconic for software. So, Jordan Katz, why don't you start us off, then we'll go to Raju, and then we'll wrap this one up with Dave. Go ahead, Jordan. What do you thought? What do you think? Thanks. So th- the really interesting thing to me, and, and I don't think we actually know what Apple is going to uh, mm-hmm. to build here. They've been fairly good about keeping things under wrap generally, right? Uh, the really interesting thing to me is uh, a power play Apple made here, which is they rehired former engineer Doug Fields. Doug Fields, a mechanical engineer uh, who worked at Apple and then worked uh, Segway and then Tesla. And Apple actually rehired Doug Fields from Tesla. And what happened was most uh, or a significant number, according to reports in CNBC and whatnot, a significant number of Doug's employees came with him from Tesla to Apple in uh, autonomous vehicle engineering and software engineering, mechanical engineering, product development. And so what Apple has done, whether they're going to build a autonomous car or van or electric vehicle or, you know, hovercraft or whatever, is they've taken some critical talent, people who can execute according to what Apple needs, whichever way they want to uh, go uh, from a competitor and essentially taken out, you know, some really top minds uh, from Tesla, which if they're going to get into the electric vehicle or any vehicle um, uh, slot is Tesla is going to be a competitor. So the, uh, the, the, the impact that great talent, great thought leadership and a great manager can have on your people is profound and can be, to me, a very uh, impactful differentiating strategy, as you see right here, because clearly people didn't want to keep working for Tesla in the absence of their great leader, uh, Mr. Field. Mm-hmm. And the article came out in on August 10, 2018, former chief Tesla vehicle engineer Doug Field returns to Apple, I rehired him after the executive spent five years at Tesla in charge of vehicle engineering. The hire is a significant one for Apple, with Field likely joining the company's car unit known as Project Titan. Let's just leave it at that, Tesla and Detroit. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Let's go around the table. Thank you for that, Jordan. Raju. Join us. Thoughts about the role of Silicon Valley? If you want to explore continuing about the Doug Field topic or you want to take it in another direction, please go ahead. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so I, I was going to take a different direction, and that one is uh, the uh, mm-hmm. amount of investments and efforts going around, uh, you know, making sure that uh, the OEMs or the automotive uh, OEMs, uh, when I say OEMs, actually, I should say automotive, new automotive players, uh, who are out there, uh, including the uh, including the suppliers, they are investing heavily uh, in uh, almost uh, like a software kind of a setup 
with all their innovation labs and they don't want to miss out on what's happening in Silicon Valley. So as uh, Jordan mentioned, you know, uh, there is, uh, uh, you know, uh, the human element of it, you know, expertise as one part of it. But also there are companies who are transforming themselves uh, and they want to behave like a high-tech or a software-like company. They want to be agile. They want to, uh, you know, create products which are attractive, uh, which, you know, which can be consumed easily. And so here I feel that more and more uh, focus or kind of a transformation on the engineering and product and manufacturing side is happening. And uh, and that kind of leads to, I would say, uh, you know, new opportunities uh, uh, when it comes to EV segment or, you know, looking future in the autonomous segment as well. Uh, where you want to create these new experiences, you know, as uh, David mentioned earlier, you know, what is the uh, what what kind of experiences are we providing? So, to me, the Silicon Valley impact is kind of permeating throughout the industry, and it's impacting them uh, in different ways, so uh, positive and negative, you know. Uh, so, and and this is probably going to continue uh, because uh, there is. Uh, uh, Enormous talent located everywhere. So the, the opportunity to pull in the right resources uh, at the right time and to, you know, help the companies uh, drive the change. Thank you very much. I love that drive, drive the change. I, I'm sorry. I love that pun every time it comes up on this series. Go ahead, Raju. Finish your thought and then Dave is next. Go ahead, Raju. Yeah. So, yeah, just to add to the last last point on that one, I think uh, uh, one topic which, which we are seeing more and more in even in the traditional uh, uh, ICE vehicles, you know, internal, internal combustion engine vehicles is, you know, the number of sensors and software which is, you know, increasing tremendously. And uh, this is kind of creating, of course, uh, customers, uh, you know, a need for more advanced yeah, features within the vehicle. So, I think those are all translated from the high-tech industry or the experiences, uh, as uh, as we said, you know, whether it's an Apple experience, you know, when you when you hold the phone, when you hold the device, we we, we are expecting similar kind of experiences, and I think that is going to uh, continuously evolve as well as I think uh, impact how the automotive industry transitions, you know, into a high-tech mm-hmm. company as well. Thank you very much. Dave Mingle, talk to us about the role of Silicon Valley in automotive. Go ahead. Yeah, Bonnie, I think if there's one thing that we're learning quickly from Tesla is that the the ability to provide the software behind a vehicle experience is far easier than building the vehicle itself. Tesla has done a Mm. phenomenal job creating the operating system for their vehicles. They can uh, do over-the-air updates, significant updates. They can push new features into a vehicle. They can pull new features uh, away from a vehicle. But where they're struggling right now is scaling production and doing so at quality levels that justify the price point that they are at. So I am more and more convinced that Apple and Google understand that as well. And what their real play is likely going to be is going to try to be the operating system for whatever that future car is going to look like. Hmm. 
Hmm. At that point, then, they can control the experiences that come into the vehicle and come out of the vehicle. It's one of the, the few moments in your waking life during the day that Apple or Google do not have control, and that is when you're sitting behind the wheel and uh, attentively uh, driving your vehicle. As you become less and less of a driver, say in an Uber or a Lyft situation like we talked mm-hmm. about, or eventually in autonomous, your attention is going to be taken away from the actual act of driving to the digital experiences you tend to live with outside the vehicle. So to my prior point about mm-hmm. um, it's going to be more and more about the experiences that the car enables, I think Silicon Valley is going to want to be the operating system that those uh, apps, if you will, um, operate upon because then they can connect the dots between the rest of your life and your mobility life and uh, do what they do best, which is create great experiences and, frankly, monetize uh, the intelligence and the data that they collect um, throughout uh, those experiences. Thank you, Dave. I'm waiting for the day when somebody will be able to automatically update the GPS mapping system in my car, in the dashboard, instead of asking me to pay three or $400 to update it. So what I do is I just clip my phone, put my map my map finder on my phone on a clip on inside uh, uh, the, the uh the window, the windshield, and I use the phone GPS so whenever I need to go somewhere new. I can't use the one on the dashboard, and that's annoying to me. It's a 2015 sports car, and it's a beautiful car, but the it's completely outmoded. Everything's outmoded. My community was built about three years ago. It isn't even on the map, which is really maddening. I can't put my own address into the dashboard GPS, and I'm not paying 300 bucks to update it. It just doesn't make sense. You know what, gentlemen? We are actually at the prediction round of the show, the crystal ball. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make you a deal. I'm going to put you on the spot, the three of you. I'm going to invite the three of you back, Dave Dave Mingle and Jordan Katz at Qualtrics and uh, Raju, Moncombo Raju at SAP. I'm going to invite you back to do part two with me on our flagship series, Coffee Break with Game Changers, the second or third week of May. I have to check the calendar and we'll continue the conversation then. All please say yes. You'd love to come back. One, two, three. Yes. 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 Love to come. Good. Back. Okay. Settled. Now let's go into our predictions round. I've got exactly sixty seconds for each of you because I know you're going to do ninety. So let's keep it really tight. Dave Mingle, we'll start with you. Dave, let's look ahead to let's say twenty twenty five. Any time between five minutes after we go off the air, which is very shortly, to twenty twenty five. What will change, in your opinion, the biggest change in automotive? Any aspect of what we've been talking about today? Dave Mingle, predictions, sixty seconds. Go. Electric vehicles are going to, the, te- the technology and the, and the cost of the battery is going to be such that in 2025, it's going, we're going to reach a tipping point where range is going to be high enough and the costs are going to be low enough where you're going to start to see a critical mass of folks moving away from internal combustion engines into electric vehicles. And that's going to change the competitive landscape uh, significantly. Happy to talk more about that the next segment. Yes. Wow, that was brief. You didn't even use your 60 seconds. Amazing. Okay, (laughs) Jordan Katz, because you're also at Qualtrics, I'll give you a couple of extra seconds that Dave didn't use. So there, you get 90 seconds. Let's see where we go with that one. Jordan, predict, please. Well, first of all, I thought one of the questions is whether you thought I would have a car, an internal combustion car or any car in 2025. And I I think there's going to be a core group of automotive enthusiasts who will always have cars, which excites me, and hopefully 
the resurgence of classic and interesting cars will continue uh, to reach new generations as we pass down our interests uh, on and on and on. The issue will be fossil fuels, and I think by 2025, as Dave said, we'll absolutely see a huge upserve of electric vehicles, and I think we'll begin to start seeing the first set of roads that has over-the-road charging, because I think the the whole charging station feature factor for electric cars is not a sustainable or optimal option, um, and I've seen a lot of innovation going on in the, in the type of startup community, and one of those, I think, should be uh, on certain roads, they have the capability to provide charge to the cars while you're driving. We'll see. Th- thank so you. We will it. see. We will see. That's yeah. right. And that's the whole point of predictions. And Raju, you're up next. I can give you 90 seconds as well because they were so brief. Go ahead, Raju. What do you see in the crystal ball in the automotive industry? So, yeah, interestingly, I was, I was, talking, I was thinking about the electric vehicles. I think uh, Dave took that. <laughs> I was thinking about charging, uh, Jordan took that. So, so my prediction is that uh, I think we will have an autonomous future, uh, uh, some sort of autonomous future already in 2025. So we already see it today. So a few more cities are experimenting with autonomous vehicles. And I see for the last mile delivery or even for, uh, you know, uh, city, uh, you know, congested city transportation, I think we will see uh, these kind of services which will be available for us. And and just to, you know, add a few uh, statistics, you know, the uh, within the within China, for example, the interest in electric vehicles has grown up to be over 70%, whereas uh, here in the U.S., uh, it's still around 10 to 30%. Um, and, and I feel that we will see uh, maybe China leading in that electric vehicle, uh, uh, revolution in that sense. But for me, autonomous uh, vehicle in the near future. Thank you very much. Let me go around the table now. We have just a minute, and this will be a quick answer. Will you have the keys to your own car in your pocket in 2025? Will it be the car you're driving now or another one? Okay, yes or no? Dave Mingle, go. Uh, yes, I will definitely be a, a driver. Um, no, it will likely not be the car that I have. Uh, I've driven a Tesla. I was part of the team that launched the Nissan Leaf. And um, if my prediction of uh, a three, 400-mile range comes true and the costs come down, I will definitely be an electric vehicle driver. Thank Oh, interesting. Jordan Katz, your own car, your own keys, electric or gasoline? Definitely my own car. I love driving. And if I'm lucky enough to have an electric car and a car that's, uh, electric car for utility and a car that's fun to drive for uh, for enjoyment, then mm. that's where I want to be in 2025. Cool. Raju, your own car, yes or no? What will it be? Uh, I still think I will have a car, so still the keys. Uh, uh, and it will be an electric, most likely. That's where okay. I'm Okay. And I'm a classic driver. I'm still driving my, my fifth Z. I have the 2015 370Z 
pearl white. It's gorgeous with a red rag top, and it's a fabulous convertible and only 26,000 miles. And we do about 80 here on an average day on the roads in Durham, North Carolina. So the car is in the garage most of the time. I don't even think I use it 5%, but that's because I work out of my home office. So what can I tell you? Yes, I will still be driving a Z. I might have to buy my sixth one by then. So that's where we're going to be. I can't thank my three panelists enough. Dave Mingle at Qualtrics, Jordan Katz at Qualtrics, Monkambu Raju, we call him Raju at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Again, a shout-out to Miranda LeBate for putting together this wonderful panel. Great topic. Miranda, you really rocked this one. And to Judy Kubis at SAP for sponsoring this series. And to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at the Business Channel. So finally, here is my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt while you're driving. you got to wear one. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game-changer today, just like Dave Mingle at Qualtrics, just like Jordan Katz at Qualtrics, just like Monkambu Raju at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. I'll be back 12 noon Eastern right here today on the Business Channel with a new episode of Financial Excellence with Game Changers. Don't want to miss it. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to the Future of Cars with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.